Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Billy Duncan had it. They turned it over. Alley oop back to Kevin. Oh, baby! Woo! Hey, D! You can see it coming, and the building is electric off that slam dunk. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Timberwolves podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Hedke, and as always, this show is part of the Believe Podcast Network. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Timberwolves coming out of the All-Star break, where they currently sit in the Western Conference, what they have to do as we look forward to the playoffs, and I also am bringing some burning Wolves questions that they need to figure out. So when they get to the playoffs, they have a little sense of actually knowing what they should be doing. Um, But before we kind of dive into those questions, I just want to kind of update what's happened over the last couple of weeks since we last recorded. So last time I sat down with you, um, Kyle Tige was with us and we talked pre-trade deadline. And since then, the Wolves made no trades, no signings, nothing has happened on the roster construction side. I'm not going to touch on that too much just because it's kind of been talked ad nauseum and I don't really have anything to add to that conversation. Uh, The other things that's happened is the Wolves have played a few more games and now sit three games over 500 at 31 and 28. And they had some action at the uh, the All Star Weekend, and and it was kind of cool to see on Friday night that Jaden McDaniel's Anthony Edwards both played in the Rising Stars game, not together but on different teams. Unfortunately, Jaden McDaniel's team did not win their first game, so they didn't get to match up against each other in the final game. Anthony Edwards' team did win, but he sat out the end of the game and did not play at all in the second game. Um, didn't really give any update why or anything. Um, didn't say if it was an injury or whatever, but he didn't play in that second game. But Jade McDaniels played really well in his his game, and that was cool to see. Uh, Saturday night, Carl Anthony Towns came out, won as the biggest underdog for most sporting or sports betting places. He uh, came out and he won the three-point contest. Probably won some people a lot of money, judging by the odds that he had. Um, But that was super cool to see, proving that he is, once again, the best big man shooter in the league and possibly the best big man shooter of all time. And then Carl Anthony Towns also uh, played in the All-Star game Sunday night. Kind of just a mess showing. Didn't do anything bad, really. Didn't do anything great. A couple nice dunks. um, Hit a three, but... Nothing like crazy to write home about, but it was cool to see him out there and performing with the best players in the world. Um, quick little update on the standings before we get into the rest of the show. The Timberwolves, like I said, are 31 and 28, sitting two and a half games back behind the Nuggets, who are 33 and 25, and then they're four games behind the Dallas Mavericks, who are 35 and 24. And if you look a little bit higher, the Jazz are five and a half games ahead of the Wolves at 36 and 22. Feel the opposite direction. The Wolves are two games ahead of the Clippers, who are 30 and 31. They are three and a half games ahead of the Lakers, who are 27 and 31. And they are six games ahead of the Trailblazers, who sit in the 10th seed at 23, or excuse me, uh, they're 25 and 34. And then they are eight games ahead of the Spurs and Pelicans, tied at 11 and 12 there, 23 and 36. 
So the Wolves' magic number, I mentioned this on Twitter, is 16, meaning if they win 16 of their remaining 23 games, then they're going to make at least the 10 seed in the play-in tournament. And then for every loss that both San Antonio and the and New Orleans get, that Wolves' magic number goes down. And for every win they get, that number goes down as well. So um, for every Wolves win they get, that is. So basically, I said on Twitter and people started getting mad because it was kind of like maybe too soon. But the Wolves are pretty much locked in to make the play-in tournament. It's I'm done looking down. I'm starting to look up and see what the standings look like that way. But we're going to talk all about playoff stuff in a minute. Before we do that, I do have to go ahead and get a quick word from our sponsor. So we are going to be right back. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all of your betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is the number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so if we look ahead to the playoffs, currently the Minnesota Timberwolves are sitting, like I said, the seventh seed, which, um, and I kind of ran down before the ad break, you know, where they rank, you know, games back, games ahead of certain teams and whatnot. The Timberwolves have 23 games left. Most teams have between, like, 21 and 25 games left in their schedule. The Minnesota Timberwolves, like I said, have 23 games left in their schedule, which isn't necessarily, um, like, a lot of games left to make up ground on someone like Dallas, who is, you know, four games ahead of them. But it's, it's not necessarily out of the realm of possibility. First, let's go ahead and let's just look at those those um, teams that the Wolves are right around, what their schedules look like, and things like that. So currently, Dallas is the fifth seed, and they have the 19th hardest schedule remaining. So they have the 11th easiest schedule in the league remaining. Um, the Denver Nuggets are currently sixth. They have the 23rd hardest, so the seventh easiest schedule remaining. Um, And then you have Minnesota at 7th, and they have the 6th hardest schedule remaining in the league. Now, that's the tough thing. One of the hardest schedules in the league. And these numbers are based solely off of opponent winning percentage. Um, So if a team, it doesn't really take into account injuries or anything like that. It's an imperfect system, but we're just going to use it for now. So their 6th hardest schedule remaining. And then right behind them, the Clippers, they have the 18th hardest schedule remaining. Behind them is the Lakers. They have the, tw- they have the third hardest, so they have one of the hardest remaining in the league. And then right behind them is Portland, who has the 29th hardest. So they have the second easiest schedule remaining. But they just kind of blew up their roster. And I know they've played well since the trades have gone down, but I just don't really see that sustaining. And then the Pelicans have the 8th hardest, and then Sacramento has the ninth hardest. So... Among that group, outside of the Lakers, the Timberwolves have the hardest schedule remaining. And as you go down the list, you look at some of the play or some of the teams that the Wolves do play. Yeah, it gets kind of tough. But there's there's a slight glimmer of hope in there that I'm going to tell you about in just a minute. 
But before that, I want to talk about Denver and Dallas coming out of the break. And then we'll talk about the Timberwolves schedule coming out of the break as well. But even before that, right now i got to give you a couple good things that the Wolves have going for them. And I tweeted this out about a week ago. Um, a couple good things the Wolves have is right now they hold the head-to-head tiebreaker against Denver 2-1. to one. Okay, so at worst they're going to tie that at 2-2 two, two if the if Denver beats Minnesota later on this season. Um, or at best, 3-1. They're up on them, and then they don't have to worry about uh, other tiebreakers against Denver um, in the playoffs if they win that game against Denver, which I think comes at the end of March or the beginning of April. Then, if they end up 2-2, if Denver ends up beating Minnesota, and they end with the same record, and they're going into the playoffs, and the tiebreaker is going down, the next tiebreaker that would qualify for both those teams is um, division record. So both teams are in the Northwest Division. So Minnesota currently has a 7-4 and four record in the Northwest Division, and Denver has just a 4-8 and eight record. So Minnesota has just one game left in the... Um, excuse me. Minnesota has uh, five games left against... Um, Northwest Division rivals, and so if they lost all five, they would end up as seven and nine. And then Denver has four games left. If they won all four, they would get to eight and eight. So it would take the Wolves losing all five games, and that's two games against Portland, still coming up. They have a game against Denver, and then they have uh, their two games against Oklahoma City. So it would take the Wolves losing to Portland twice, OKC twice, and Denver once to not win that one. Plus, Denver would have to win all four of their games. Even if Minnesota lost all five and Denver won three of their four, they would be tied in that one. And then we would move down to the third leg of it, which I think it's highly unlikely that they end up getting down to the third leg of tiebreakers. But it would be a Western Conference record overall. Currently, the Timberwolves are 20 and 18 against the Western Conference, and Denver is 17 and 17. So that one's pretty close. But I think if the Wolves, if they do end up tied, which is kind of a long shot that teams end up tied for that spot, but it's not like totally out of the realm of possibility. If they do end up tied, and say Denver beats uh, Minnesota in their last game, I think Minnesota has a really good chance of just winning the division record tiebreaker against Denver and not having to worry about it. All right, so once you got those tiebreakers kind of out of the way, it's nice to know that Minnesota's probably locked into beating Denver with the tiebreaker. The next thing we can talk about is who teams are playing coming out of the break. So first we will talk about um, Denver, who is right above the Wolves, two and a half games in the standings, sitting at that sixth seed, which I would love to be the sixth seed because that probably means you're facing Memphis because it seems like Memphis is kind of locked into that three seed, though they could end up being the two seed if the Warriors start slipping a little bit, um, or if the Suns slip. I mean, it would take the Suns a lot because the Suns have an eight-game lead over the Grizzlies, but Chris Paul will be out for pretty much the rest of the regular season. So if the Suns or Warriors slip past the Grizzlies, I wouldn't mind the Wolves staying at seven if they could win the play-in tournament, play the Grizzlies first round. I think that's their best matchup um, because the Grizzlies are only one and a half games back of the Warriors. But regardless, back to... Um, the Nuggets, who are right above the Timberwolves. I want to get that sixth seed, avoid the play-in tournament altogether. Um, So coming out of the break, 
Denver plays the Kings twice in a row, then the Blazers, then the Thunder, then the Rockets, then the Pelicans. Those are their first six games out of the break. Those are going to be pivotal pivotal games for Denver. If they win all six, they might just sneak right out of the Timberwolves' um, reach, and the Wolves will have a tough time getting up to them. Um, if Denver drops two or three of those games, that could be really, really bad for them. That's one of the easier parts of their schedule. After that part of their schedule, it does get a little bit tougher. After they play those teams, then they have the Warriors and the Kings again, then the Warriors again, then the Raptors, then the 76ers, then the Wizards and the Cavs and the Celtics and the Clippers and then the Suns. So it gets tougher. So if they drop a few of those games, that's going to be bad news for them. If they win all those games, that's going to be bad news for the Timberwolves. Chances are they win five or six of those six games just because those teams are pretty bad. But you never know. The Kings, I mean, DeMontis Savone is coming in. Still have some new energy. Maybe they actually find something. The Blazers have been playing well. I don't think that's going to stick. The Thunder just aren't good. The Rockets are going to be tanking. The Pelicans could be playing some good basketball with CJ McCollum. They've been playing um, pretty good, actually, for a good chunk of the season, to be honest. But yeah, Denver's got a pretty cupcake schedule coming out of the break. She doesn't play into the Wolves' favor. We can talk about Dallas, who's up at fifth. Like I said, they're four games above the Timberwolves. Um, they come out of the break. And theirs is a lot. Kind of the other end of the spectrum than the Timberwolves. Or, excuse me, than the Nuggets. So with the Jazz coming out of the break, they will play... Or with the Mavs coming out of the break, they will play the Jazz, then the Warriors, then the Lakers, then the Warriors then the Kings, then the Jazz again, then the Knicks, the Rockets, then the Celtics, the Nets, and the 76ers. So in those 11 games, I would say they have some really tough ones going against the Jazz twice, going against the Warriors twice, going against the Celtics, Nets, and 76ers. Those are seven games that are tough for them. Granted, Dallas is a pretty good team. They've been playing really well. They also have games against the Knicks, who can be hit or miss, the Lakers, who can be hit or miss. Um... And the Kings even. And the thing with Dallas is, I know they've been playing pretty well since they made the trade um, for Zabone, or excuse me, for Perzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie and um, Davis Bertans, but I just don't, I just don't believe that they're that good. Okay, they, I mean, they lost to the Clippers, then they beat the Heat, and they beat the Pelicans. Okay. Those are a couple games. We don't really know what that trade really means for them going forward. I didn't like that trade when it happens. I still don't like it. Um, but you never know what's going to happen. I think that they're going to fall. I don't know if they'll fall enough for the Wolves to catch them, being four games behind. But I think that they're going to fall. I don't like um, that team. I don't like their roster construction. I don't like that your best player is... Or behind, behind Luka, your best player is someone like Jalen Brunson or... Spencer Dinwiddie like I don't think that's gonna be a good thing and then Tim Hardaway Jr. also he's injured that just doesn't bode well for them in my opinion let's talk about the Timberwolves coming out of the break so here's what here's my thing with the Timberwolves the schedule is pretty tough for, for the rest of the year coming out of the break right away they got Memphis Philly Cleveland Golden State that's gonna be a tough stretch for them to get through um, and again, they play Thursday and Friday this week, so that is two, that's a back-to-back. Then they have Saturday and Sunday off, then they have Monday, Tuesday, back-to-back. Then they have Wednesday and Thursday off, then they have a Friday, Saturday, back-to-back. So it's going to be pretty tough for them. 
um, coming right out of the break. But these are the games that they play. They play Memphis, Philly, Cleveland, Golden State. That's four tough games right away. So if Denver wins their games out of the break, Minnesota loses those four. That's going to separate them probably too far for the Wolves to catch back up. But say Denver somehow drops a couple and the Wolves pick up two of those four wins. That would be huge. Following that, you have OKC, Portland, Portland, OKC, Orlando. Five games in a row against teams that likely are going to be tanking because they have nothing to play for. What I do like about the Wolves' schedule, and what I think is really important to note, while they do have the sixth hardest schedule remaining, one of the biggest things that I can see that is important is where those games are happening. Like I said, they play Memphis right away out of the break. That's at home. I think they match up good against Memphis. They play Philly at home. Granted, it's a back-to-back, but it's a home back-to-back, so that lightens the load a little bit. The Wolves have been playing pretty solidly at home this season. They're 17-11, and um, so that's really good to see that they've been playing that well. But again, that's a home back-to-back, so it could be worse. It could be a road back-to-back, but instead it's a home back-to-back. Um... And then they play Cleveland on the road. And then they have to come back from Cleveland to Minnesota to play the Warriors. So again, a home game against the Warriors is better than a road game against the Warriors. But you are on a back-to-back traveling back from another place. Luckily, it's just in Cleveland, which isn't too long of a flight. So that part is nice. Then they go to OKC before they come home and play Portland twice. Then OKC again. And then the Magic on the road. So after that, they go to Orlando. Then they have San Antonio on the road. Then they come back. They play the Lakers at home and the Bucks at home. Two more tough-ish slash important games for them at home. Then they go play Dallas on the road. And then the next two games are against Phoenix and Dallas at home. And then they have road games against Boston, Toronto, Denver, and Houston. And then they finish out the season with three games at home against Washington, San Antonio, and Chicago. So you look at all those, look at a lot of those tough games. Memphis is a tough game. That's a home game. Philly is a tough game. That's a home game. Golden State's a tough game. That's a home game. Then you got a Lakers game that could be tough. That's a home game. Bucks game's a home game. Phoenix game's a home game. Uh, The Dallas game's a home game. And the Chicago game's a home home game. So that is uh, eight games at home against tough teams. I would say the other tough teams that are road games, you got Cleveland that's going to be tough on the road. Miami's going to be tough on the road. Dallas is going to be tough on the road. Boston and Denver are going to be tough on the road. So that's maybe five of your tough remaining games are on the road. So you do have that benefiting you, that you play more of your tough games at home and more of your easy games on the road. Overall, in the 23 games Wolves have left, they have 13 at home and 10 on the road. That also helps them a little bit. But teams like Denver, they have 15 at home and 9 on the road. Um, So the Wolves are going to have to take advantage of the home court that they've seemingly been taking pretty good advantage of this season if they want to stay in the hunt for that sixth seed against Dallas and Denver. All right, we are going to move on to the pressing questions. I, I know I didn't touch too much on like schedules and that type of stuff it's kind of hard to really predict what's going to happen um one thing i did want to mention too friday against the 76ers the wolves do play at home that'll be philly's first game coming out of the break and it looks like 
James Harden should be playing in that game, and I will actually be in attendance for that. So it'll be cool to see James Harden's first game against Philly. Hopefully it is a loss. Remember D'Angelo Russell last time the Wolves played Philly, they went to double overtime, and it wasn't sweet for Philly. They thought it'd be sweet to have some guys come back and play them, but like D'Lo said, it ain't sweet. So hopefully it ain't sweet again on Friday. All right, before we move on to the questions I have, the big questions for the Wolves going forward, I do have to get a quick break in, say thank you, and let you guys know about a couple awesome things. So I will be right back. Let me ask you this question. What is more important to you than peace of mind? All right, nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe. That's nordvpn.com slash B-L-E-A-V. Or you can use the code B-L-E-A-V, believe, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plus one additional month for free. That's right. VPN plan and one additional month for free. 70% 70% off that, just for using our code BELIEF. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a water, cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com believe. That's athleticgreens.com believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, athleticgreens.com believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right, well, let's get back into the show and talk about these questions that we have for the Wolves. So I came up with three questions that I think the Wolves need to figure out as they head into the playoffs. And the first question that I think is a really big question is who is the big man depth on this team? As we know, a lot of people wanted the Wolves to target a big man in free agents, or excuse me, at the trade deadline. That didn't happen, probably because the price was too steep. I don't believe that they weren't out looking. Reports came out they were close to getting Harrell. I'm glad that didn't happen because I don't think he solves a lot of the problems that the Wolves are having with their big man depth. But, you know, at least they were out there looking. I know they were out there looking 
and the price just was not right, so they didn't get anybody. But that doesn't mean that the Wolves don't have a problem with their big man depth. And they really have to figure out what that's going to look like going into the playoffs. Are you going to play Nas Reed exclusively as your backup center? Are you going to play Nathan Knight? Nathan Knight's a little bit more of a bruiser than Nas Reed, but I, I don't think that's a good option. He's not ready for that role yet. He has some skill, but really he seems to be just kind of a play-with-force type of guy, and in the playoffs he's going to get eaten alive by that. Are you going to run Jared Vanderbilt at the uh, the center spot? Um, that could be an option, going a little small ball. A lot of teams in the playoffs go small. If that happens, are you going to start running Jared Vanderbilt at the center during the regular season when Carl Anthony Towns isn't out there? Or what does that look like? But that also brings up some big problems. The big problems I see with Jared Vanderbilt playing the backup center role is that then he's not playing next to Carl Anthony Towns as much, which I don't think is very beneficial. The other big thing is having Nas as your backup really lets you play the same type of style because Nas can do a lot of the same things Cat can. He's like a facsimile of him. And Jared Vanderbilt isn't that. You know, you're not going to run Jared Vanderbilt picking rolls at the top or picking pops. You're not going to run Jared Vanderbilt at the elbows or at the nail. Really, that's not that's not what's going to happen, right? That's not the style of player he is. So I think the biggest thing the Wolves can do is sign somebody, not even to be the backup center. Nas Reed's still your backup center. But somebody for situational things where you need a bigger bruising center and the player's probably not going to be very good. I'm thinking like a Willie Cauley-Stein of the world. I saw today Willie Cauley-Stein signed with the 76ers, but someone of that mold where they're still pretty athletic. Um, they can move their feet a little bit, do some of the things that Cat and Nas do on the perimeter defensively, but also can bang down low and you know really alter shots at the rim. Not saying you're going to play in a drop coverage, but just kind of play a little bit more to the strengths of that type of player. But again, that player you're going to get on a vet minimum. They're not going to be a great player. They might fill a couple holes, but they're going to have their own warts that you're going to have to deal with, most likely offensively or maybe um, in other ways. So I don't know. But the Wolves have to figure that out. Who is their big man depth? Again, that's not my job. I can give my opinion. But at the end of the day, Chris Finch and Sachin Gupta and all those guys that run the Timberwolves are going to have to figure that out. Right? Nasrid isn't going to work if he's got to spend 10 minutes matched up against Joel Embiid in the. Not. Okay. The Wolves aren't going to play an Eastern Conference team in the playoffs. But against Nikola Jokic or against whoever, whatever big man that you want to throw out there. If Nasrid is going to have to match up with them for 10 minutes in a playoff series, one game because Carl Anthony Towns is in foul trouble, you're going to be screwed. So you can't let that happen. The next question I want to talk about is defensive schemes. So the Wolves have been running some alternative defensive schemes to what they started the year running, and likely that's because the playoffs are coming up and they want to be versatile and they want to you know, be able to throw different looks at teams like that. So the question that I, I'm posing is, is it worth trying out these other defensive schemes and losing games to be ready for the playoffs? Because as guys try to figure out these schemes, chances are the defensive rating is going to go down. You're going to lose more games because of it. That could 
really alter your your standing in the playoff position. Now, I'm not worried about them being out of the play. And like I said, I feel like that's pretty much almost guaranteed by now. But I am worried about them dropping lower and having to win twice to make the playoffs. If you fall out of that 7 or 8 seed, down to 9 or 10. Then you got to win twice to get into the actual playoffs and get a series against someone. That's going to be a little bit tougher for the Wolves to do, especially when those teams are like the Clippers and the Lakers of the world that have either immense star power. The Clippers could be getting healthy. Who knows? Reports are all over the place. But still, they match up really well with the Wolves anyways. So I'm really just interested to see what that kind of looks like. If the Wolves keep trying these switching schemes, drop coverage some, zone defense, what just getting ready for the playoffs, if that'll cause cost them games or if they're gonna be more aggressive stay in the screen the you know the the um, aggressive scheme that they've been running and just try to pile on as many wing wins as possible and then just go in the playoffs get that experience and hopefully get an actual full round against someone i don't know i get i see the benefits of both of it i see the benefits of getting a higher seed i also see the benefits of trying to get you guys ready to play different schemes um so they're ready to go against different teams but at the end of the day, that's something that Chris Finch is going to have to figure out what to do with. He's been toying with it some, um, but like maybe toy with it against teams you should beat anyways, like the OKCs of the world, and then maybe just run your scheme against you know the Memphises and Phillies and Golden States of the world, where you're trying to maybe steal a couple wins and get up higher in the in the playoff um, positioning. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm not the coach. I'm not. I'm not really sure what the best answer is for that one and the last question i wanted to bring up before we do wrap up tonight's show is uh who falls out of the playoff rotation and should you get some run with shorter rotations beforehand to see who should fall out so the timberwolves have been running pretty much a 10-man or 11-man rotation most of the season point guards have been d'angelo russell patrick beverly jordan mclaughlin um the shooting guards have been, again, Patrick Beverly's in there, and then, like, Malik Beasley, and then at the... So that's four guys, four guards right there. At the wing spots, you've had Ant, Jaden McDaniels, and Torian Prince, and then at the big spots, you've had Cat, Nas, Jared Vanderbilt. So that's, you know, 10 guys. I'm probably missing someone because I can't even keep everything straight in my head right now, but... um. You're not going to run that many. You're not going to run 10 or 11 guys in a playoff series. Okay? You're just, that's not what's realistically going to happen. I don't know who is going to get cut out of that um, that rotation, but somebody's going to have to because the Timberwolves just, they can't do it. They cannot run all of those guys. That's just way too many players to have to try to, to, try to deal with in a rotation in a playoff series where you're trying to win games and move on to the next round. So... The guys that are for sure safe out of that rotation. D'Angelo Russell's safe. Beverly's safe if he's healthy. Ant safe. Cat safe. Then I would say Jada McDaniels is safe. And I would like to think Beasley's safe because you hope that he's in, you know, hitting some strides by then and getting um, you know, knocking down shots. So after that, I think you got your your um, point guard figured out. You got D'Lo, Bev, and Ant can run to the point guard there too. Really, you got like two more spots. You need a backup big, 
I'd say Nas, and I think, I think, and this is hard to say this, but I think Vanderbilt's a lock. And I get what you guys are saying, that, you know, I can already hear you saying, well, Vando's obviously a lock, he's been really important to this team. I think so too, but I could see a situation where Jared Vanderbilt's lack of shot is so detrimental to this team in the playoffs because they really, over the course of a... Um, you know, over the course of a playoff series, they just scheme him out of it. And I hope that doesn't happen. I hope it doesn't get to that point. But if it starts to get to that point, I think that Jaden McDaniels is going to come in, take those minutes from him, and then maybe you play Torian Prince more instead of Vando. Um, but Vando has shown a lot this season that he can be impactful on offense, uh, even without a jump shot. So I hope that continues because I can't really... Can't really see a world where the Wolves would play great defense if Jared Vanderbilt didn't play at all. Um, so that kind of seems like the rotation, but then you're leaving out Jordan McLaughlin, who's been pretty inspiring for the bench to see them succeed. You're leaving out Torian Prince. You're leaving out Jalen Noel, who can get buckets off the bench. And then maybe you need minutes for Josh Okogie to step in and like be a lockdown guy. I don't know, but but the second part of the question is, is should you throw out some shorter rotations on nights to see beforehand, see what's worked, see if you like it, see if maybe you are trying to decide between two guys, maybe give them each a shot in a game in the rotation. I don't really know, but it seems like the Wolves have to kind of figure that out as they go, or else they're going to have to figure it out when a playoff series starts. Um, I don't know what the answer is. Minutes are going to start going up. You know, D'Lo's going to play more. Ant's going to play more. Cat's going to play more when the playoffs hit. You're going to want to rely on Bev. That's why Beverly's been, you know, missing more games and, like, his workload hasn't been as high. They're trying to get him ready for the playoffs. Um, you know, he might have an increased role for Jaden McDaniels. Hopefully he's hitting his stride offensively and still playing at a high level on defense. But, I mean, you just you never know what's going to happen there, and that's a tough thing to – tough position – to be in. Um, but with all these questions, I trust who we have in the Timberwolves. That's a weird thing to say after all these years. I trust uh, Chris Finch to make the right rotation decisions. I trust him to make the right decision when it comes to those defensive schemes. And I trust the front office and Finch to figure out what to do at, at the, backup, the backup big spot. So I guess I just have a lot of trust in this team. They got to win some games and hopefully stay in that seventh seed so they only have to win one game to get into a playoff series. And then, you know, fingers crossed they match up with Memphis, who I'm not saying it's a great matchup, but it's the best best matchup that they got. Um, And then hopefully we can go out there and maybe take that game, take that series to six or seven, or perhaps even win the thing and move to the second round. Um, But that's all I have for tonight's show. Um, I got... I'm recording this on Tuesday, if I didn't say it at the beginning. Um, so this will be coming out Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Appreciate everybody listening to this podcast. I'm excited for these last 23 games, hoping to be more consistent with this so I can bring you guys coverage, kind of break down all the angles and all that stuff. I'm you know, attending like four or five more Wolves games out of these last 13 that are at home, so that's going to be really fun. Starting out um, this Friday against Philly, and then I, I got one next Saturday. Um, I believe that one's against Port. Lind, and then I got some in March and April as well. So, anyways, that's going to do it for me and the show. Again, this has been the Believe in Timberwolves podcast presented by Bet Online. 
I'm your host, Brenda Hedke, and I will be back soon. Go Wolves! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.